You were created with a purpose and for a purpose, and God has an assignment on every single person's life that's on them. That, would, that means that nothing that God does is by accident. And if we believe that, that means that not one individual walking on this planet that has ever existed, that exists today out of the 7.6 billion people on the planet today, and that ever will exist, were created on accident. It means everybody and everyone has an assignment. So you have a treasure. That means you have something to offer. It means when you go to your job, you have a gift to offer. When you uh, come home to your family, you have a gift or a treasure to give as a as a mom, as a, a, a husband, as a wife, as a dad, as a child, employer, employee, businessman, uh, uh, politician, it doesn't matter what it is in life, what you do, you have a gift or a treasure. But we also have fields. And so we saw that honor isn't just going after someone's treasure, it's also taking the field along with it. And we used the example of husbands and wives that you came out to find very quickly. You may have married someone for their treasure, but you found very quickly that there's a field that comes with that. Amen. There's, you know, the snoring and the bad breath in the morning and maybe not always getting along. And there's differences. And you realize, wow, this person, I was all about their treasure, but now I'm, the field's starting to show up and there's some weeds here and there and there's some dirt and so to honor someone is to honor every part of them all of it well see god did this see when jesus told that parable about the field and the treasure in the field he was talking about he said the kingdom of god can be compared to that the kingdom of god is like that why because god did that himself god saw in us a treasure even though we had a field the field isn't what you want. The field isn't everything that's desirable. The field isn't everything. I mean, anybody in their right mind would just go dig up the treasure and take the treasure home and not ever have to deal with the field ever again. But God saw a treasure inside of the field, and so he purchased the whole thing. He hid the treasure. The verse says that the man hid the treasure in the field, then went and sold everything he had, and and God gave up everything he had. He gave his only begotten son. And get this, without any commitment, without any guarantee that your treasure would ever be given to mankind. Because I can tell you right now, there are some people in the world that they have a treasure and they're using it in a wrong avenue. Or they're not using it at all. They have gifts and abilities and talents and treasures inside of them that are never Coming to use. I heard uh, one minister say that the uh, most expensive place, the richest place on earth, is a graveyard. Because how many books that were never written are there? How many songs that were never written? Or how many uh, uh, politicians, great politicians that could have changed communities and, and uh, cities and nations went to go and die and never gave their treasure, never gave their gift and their talent and their ability to mankind? Because God has placed a treasure inside every single person. And so we saw that even God, he honored us by not just yanking on our treasure and say, just give me what you got. But by placing the treasure and hiding it inside of our field and purchasing the whole thing. Because he purchased all of you. He purchased every single person on the face of this planet in hopes that you would 
get excited about the treasure that's inside of you. Come to find out about it and use it for his glory. Use it for his advantage. Uh, can we turn the, Jimmy, could you grab the air for me? And we can just crank it down, man. Just put it 71.7. It started, I'm burning up. I, wrong day to wear a sweater. It started out 48 and it's 88 outside now. And it's probably 98 in here if we don't, we aren't careful with it. Um, got to keep that air going. And I know some of y'all are getting hot, but I'm getting hot. I got lights up here and I'm having to talk to all of you guys. So, um, but anyway, so God has placed a treasure inside of your field. And the sad part is that a lot of us, we give the treasure away without people taking the field. This happens a lot of times. And then we do this to other people sometimes. And that's not honor. Honor is accepting the whole thing. I, I love you because of the treasure you have, and I accept the field that comes with it. And so we have to keep this idea of honor because honor is all about value. If someone really values you, they don't value you just because of what you do for them. I mean, I use the example of my parents all the time. I, my parents are awesome, and I have my in-laws with me today, and they're great. But I don't just go and, and run to them when I need something. I don't just get, you know, call my dad on the phone and say, hey, I, I need something. I, I need some cash, or I need this done, or I need help with this. No, there's a relationship there. You're, you're constantly keeping the relationship up because how many of you want to give somebody something that only calls you when they need it? Well, none of us do. Nobody wants that. If you have children that are grown, you, you want them to keep that relationship going. You don't want them just calling you up and, and saying, hey, I need this or I need that, but there's no real relationship. They're not you know, showing up for the holidays or they're not even you know, just, hey, how's it going? Want to go do this? Want to go out to eat? Want to visit? Let's, let's go on a trip. Let's do this. It's not about that. It's just I want what you have or I want what you can give, but I don't want to hang out with you. And so honor, if you honor someone, it's all of it. It's all of it, okay? And so we've been talking about this honor because we want to be people of honor, and we want to be people that give honor where honor is due. The Bible has much to say about honor, and I'm not going to break it all down and get into all of it, um, but today I want to talk about Honor 101. just want to talk about the basics of honor. We've kind of defined honor. We've kind of... Uh, showed, you know, last week we had a great time. We showed uh, how the, uh, the, the, the parable, that, another parable that Jesus told, where a master gave three of his servants talents. And he gave one uh, five, he gave another one two, and then he gave another one one. And the one with five and two, they did great. They went out and they doubled it and said, and when the master came back, said, hey, you gave me five, I have ten. You gave me two, I, now you have four. But the one with one devalued what the master gave him. And we said this last week, that if you don't value what the master gives you, then you don't value the master. See, the, the servant with one dishonored his master by dishonoring the gift that was placed in his possession. So the master... It wasn't just about, hey, you didn't double this or you didn't do anything with it. It was about how you treat that is how you treat me. And you can't let other people assess a value to you. We saw Jesus showed up in his own hometown. 
We think of Jesus as going anywhere and just healing people like crazy and setting people free and doing all kinds of uh, awesome stuff for people. But there was one time that he showed up. He went to Nazareth where he grew up, where people knew him from a little boy. They knew his family, knew his brothers and sisters, and he couldn't do any miracles there. Go read it, Mark chapter 6. It says Jesus could do very little there. Why? Because of their doubt and unbelief. And it says that they were offended at him. It says that they were talking amongst themselves. Isn't this, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't, this, isn't he just a carpenter's boy? I mean, this, this guy built me a rocking chair. This guy put a table together for me. This guy was just working on wood products. Now he's here speaking all these great things. They didn't deny the great things. They saw the treasure but they dishonored his field. They dishonored the field of, I grew up with that guy. I went to school with him. I lived down the street from him. And so he wasn't able to do anything. Why? Because honor always brings with it an expectation. Always brings an expectation. If you honor something or if you value something, you have an expectation out of it. If you honor your vehicle or if you value your vehicle, you're taking care of it, you're cleaning it, you're doing regular maintenance, and then you have an expectation, which means you don't expect it to break down all of a sudden out of nowhere. You don't expect it, you don't expect the tires to just fall off, you don't expect it uh, just to shut down on you, and when those things take place, it's unexpected. Why? Because I've, I've valued this thing, I've taken care of it, I've done everything I'm supposed to do with it. I've honored this vehicle. Because, see, when you honor something, you assess a value to it. You assess a value. And, and that's kind of where I want to go today because last week I, I made a statement. I uh, showed how if you own a home and you go to sell it, most people, when they go to sell it, they are going to get it appraised. They're going to find out what the home is worth. Why? Because you don't want to put it on the market for, say, 175 and then someone sa- shows up and says, I think it's worth 150 And you would be a dummy if you said, okay, 150 here you go, unless you're just trying to get rid of it, which happens. But, if, but you want to sell it for what it's worth. So you go and get it appraised. You go get a value assessed to it. When you honor something, you assess a value to it. This happened just this past week. And if there's any baseball fans, I know I got one right here. And I probably got one with you here as well with Alex Rodriguez this week. And if you don't know anything about A-Rod, he's the most expensive athlete in all of sports. $30 million a year this guy makes. Basketball, hockey, football, no one can touch him. Okay? Well, that's the Yankees' fault. If you ask me, what happened when they said, we'll pay you $30 million, $30 million for 10 years? What happened? They just assessed a value. And you know what the New York Yankees had? They had an expectation based upon the value they assessed. Well, he's not been living up to the expectation. And now there's talk of the Yankees wanting to trade him, wanting to move him, wanting to ship him out wanting to put them in Miami, wanting to send them over here. We just need to get rid of them. And I'm thinking, why are we even having the discussion? You need to own up to your own hurt and live with it. You said he's a $30 million player. The guy's 38 years old. What do you expect? A 30? They're paying a 38-year-old to do what a 25-year-old is doing. 
I mean, if you look at anyone that's getting those kind of numbers and getting paid that much money, it's between 25 and 35. That's your prime in baseball. It's their fault. And he's still under contract for another five years. 42 years old, making $30 million. That's ridiculous. But the New York Yankees assessed him at that value. They said, when he's 42, he'll be worth $30 million. I don't know what was going through their minds. I don't know who said this. he's worth that. I mean, I'd have cut him off at 37 and say, oh, we'll, 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 we will renegotiate at 37 because now you're going to be tearing off. You're going to be dropping off a little bit. But hey, so what happened? We're talking about honor. They valued him at a rate that was really beyond what he should have been valued at. And now they're upset because they're not getting the results. See, people want results from God. People want results. You want God to work on your behalf. You want God to show up. When you pray, you want to get answers. When you are praising and worshiping him, you want his presence to come. When you read his word, you want edification and alignment and and a, a strengthening by his word. We're looking for results. But the results are not based on this. They're based on what you put into it. They're based on your assessment. What is it worth to you? See, this morning, you've showed honor and you've showed value for the word of God because you drove here and you spent X amount of dollars in gas. You woke up early on a day where you maybe didn't have to wake up early. And so there's value. You're going to spend the next you know, hour or so hearing the word of God, praising and worshiping him and giving him the honor he is due. And you've assessed that value. But here's where I want to go today, that it's what you put into it's what determines what you get out of it. I mean, you've heard people say, you get what you expect. And that's a true statement. Doesn't matter what you expect. If you expect great things, you'll get great things. If you expect nothing, you get nothing. See, that's why we can have the same service and we can have someone sitting over here that is expecting awesome things and someone over here that's expecting nothing, same service, and two both walk away with different results because of the expectation, because of the value and the honor that was placed in this service. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're talking about value and how value brings results, but it's what you value. And I'll remind you again, if you have the uh, version Bible app on your phone or iPad or whatever you've got with you today, you can uh, follow along with the message, got the notes in there, got the verses, because we want you to, to uh, be uh, hooked up, be linked in with us and see what we're doing. Amen. Mark chapter four, verse one. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it. On the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. 
Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So notice here we have uh, four different types of terrain. Same seed, four different locations it falls on. What determined what the seed did? Was it the seed? No, it was the soil. It was where it landed. It was the terrain. If it fell by the wayside, we got nothing. If it fell uh, among uh, hard soil, it started to, but then it quit. It, didn't, it had no root. It couldn't take root in the ground, and so the whole, thing, whole process was shut down. If it fell among the thorns, it came up, but then got choked out. But then if it fell on the good soil, so the soil determined it. The soil determined what happened to the seed, not the seed. See, I'm preaching right now. You'll, you'll find that Jesus compares the seed to the word. He says the sower sows the word. I'm sowing right now. I'm throwing it out. You're the soil. And how the word produces in your life is based upon your value of what's being spoken. Because this word right now could, do, could have different results in each and every person. If the, if the word produces great results, it's not because the word was greater for you than it was for her. It's because someone received it differently. Look, Go look on down. Uh, let's pick up there in verse 9. He said, and he said to them, he who hears, or he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the, t- uh, about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. To those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So notice here that there are people that will see and not understand. There are people that will hear, but not comprehend. Well, that's interesting. That means that it wasn't Jesus' fault if somebody received and somebody else didn't. It was the audience. It was on the soil. And he goes further in verse 13. He says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. I want to stop right there. When you value something, probably most of you in this room have things that are of value in your house, and they're probably not out in the open where someone can just come in and take it. A lot of people, they will buy lock boxes. They will put things away that are very valuable in a place where they can't just be found. So right here, the one by the wayside, the Sat- Satan can't just come in and take something that's not out in the open. So by the wayside is someone that didn't really value what they heard. 
didn't really place a value on it, and so didn't put it in a place. See, uh, David talked about this. He said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He hid it. He put it away. It wasn't just in his head where it could easily be forgotten. Or tomorrow morning when you go to work and, and we preach on something that gave you victory and then tomorrow morning you go to work and you're thinking, oh man, no, but he hid it. He meditated on it. He was thinking on it. He was studying it. He was looking it over. He was constantly keeping it in front of him. And so he hid the word. If it's not hidden, the devil's going to come right in and take it right out. I mean, you can be receiving a great word right now, but then on the way home, start getting into worry and anxiety about that problem that you have, that you got to take care of tomorrow. And what's that? That's the enemy coming in and stealing the word. Because I can tell you, uh, you know, Rosalie, for example, we prayed healing and we're speaking the word over her body, but she can get in her car and start driving home and Satan said, man, you didn't get nothing. I mean, they pray, but what, what does prayer do? You're going to have to deal with this the rest of your life. This, this sickness, it will bombard your life. Do you really think something happened? Do you feel better? Is your neck still hurting? What's he doing? He's throwing in lies. And if he can get enough lies in there, he's going to shove out the word. So what does she need to do? Continue confessing. No, I'm the healed of the Lord. No, when we pray, we get answers. When I'm bringing heaven to earth, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. So I'm, compl- I'm claiming that on my body right now and so as she stands in faith she's getting that those words and those lies and those doubts out and she's hiding the word in her heart hiding it so satan can't just come in and snatch it so you have to stay in the word we have to keep confessing that we have to keep staying in that posture let's look at the next one verse 16 these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Now, as we go on down, we're going to start to shove out and it's going to start to become clear what you have to do to get a hold of the word. Because right now, many uh, Rosalie, when we prayed, man, she's excited with gladness. But that's not even good enough. That's not even good enough. It says here that when they had no root in themselves, and they only endured for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So now we see someone that as the word was being sown, they received it with gladness. But there's got to be a root. Now we've got to have it take root in the soil. You're the soil. So now you've got to get that word to take root and dig down deep i'm going to tell you the answer for all of these cases is the same and we're going to see it at the end so they stumble so even if you're in here and you're excited you can go out there and you can still get moved by the world you can still get moved by the enemy he's after the word that's in you i'm getting ready to start a new series in november called word and we're going to talk about the word because everything is based off of the word The enemy's not after you. He's after the word that's in you. Because if he can get the word out of you, then you'll do everything that he wants you to do in life. So we got to get a hold of the word. So 
He's after the word. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, choking the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So now we've got someone that they received it with gladness, and they even were living by it for a little while, but now they're distracted. It says other things, the deceitfulness of riches, what the world has to offer becomes a distraction and what gets them off of the word that was sown to begin with. Look over in First uh, Timothy. Keep your finger there. If you're in your Bible, keep your finger there. But look over in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. First Timothy 4, verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That means there's nothing left for anything else. That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So how do we get distracted? It's by neglect. Neglect is always the absence of giving attention to something else. The answer for all three of these situations is attention. It's how much attention you give to it. That determines your soil. See, I'm telling you right now, and, and I tell people this all the time, uh, that me preaching right now isn't good enough for the next seven days. I wish it was, but it's not. I could preach every night this week and you come and hear me and it still wouldn't be good enough because there has to be a constant continuing, a constant staying in it so you don't come out of the word. It's all about how much attention do you give to it. I'll tell you that no one has ever failed by reading the Bible too much. No one has ever failed by uh, listening to too many messages. No one has ever failed by uh, being in prayer with your father, your heavenly father, too long. It's all about the attention. It's all about the value that you place on it. Look at the last one in, in uh, Mark chapter 4. The last one in verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. The the Amplified actually uh, says that they hear it, they accept it, they welcome it, and they receive it. There's a lot going on there. See, hearing it's not good enough. Hearing it and being excited is not good enough. Hearing it and staying in it for a few days isn't good enough. Hearing it and staying in it but then getting distracted by other things in the world isn't good enough. It's hearing it accepting it, receiving it, welcoming it, staying in it. It's about a continuation. It's about attention. How much attention you give to it determines the value. I mean, again, if you value your vehicle, you're giving a lot of attention to it. You're 
washing it. You're constantly making sure that people aren't spilling stuff in it. You're, uh, you know, driving it properly. You're careful where you park. What are you doing? You're giving attention, and it shows that you value. If you see someone that just swerves into a parking lot real quick and, 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 and they're, you know, double parked, where someone could just easily just come on in and bang right up beside them. I know my mom, you know, when she gets a new car, it's like for the first, at least for the first, you know, eight months to a year, she'll park at the back of the parking lot and walk all the way up. Why? I'm not getting that thing dinged up because other people don't value my car. Because I can get into a parking spot and then the next person come up that doesn't care and wham, slam that thing open. Now I got a big old mark. Big old thing in the side of it. See, I used to, I used to care about my truck a whole lot. And if you've seen it today, you've noticed that there's been some lack there, and it's not on purpose, but it's just, I you just got you just get consumed with other things. But when I first got that thing, man, I couldn't keep it clean enough. I couldn't wash it enough. I couldn't take care of it enough. And now, you know, I've just gotten busier with other things, and so it's gotten some things. It doesn't stay as clean as it used to there's some things that are showing up that are showing i don't value this as much as i used to why because i'm not giving as much attention to it now when i do give attention i'm thinking man i need to do something about this but i don't stay in it i don't continue in it i don't continue in it and say well i'm going to drive this thing down to the car wash right now or i'm going to break out the hose and go buy the stuff that i need so my value really isn't there. I can say it. Oh, yeah, I love my truck. I, man, that's the best thing that's ever, that's the best vehicle I've ever had. But if I don't take care of it, if I don't keep the maintenance up, if I just let it run down and never do an oil change and never do what's needed, then how much do I really value it? Just because I say it? Because Jesus said this. He said the prophets were right when they were talking about this people when he was talking about Jerusalem. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, honor isn't a mouth position. It's a heart position. Honor is not about your mouth. It's not about what you say. It's about what you're doing, and it's about the heart of a person. And only God knows the heart. Only God knows the heart, and he's looking at the heart. And he's saying, do you value me? Are you doing this? Are you staying in this? Are you giving attention to this? I call it the attention factor. If you go a little further down in Mark chapter 4, in verse 23, he says this, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. I love the way the Amplified reads. Listen to this. Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you when you hear what's he saying he's saying the amount of attention that you put in is the value you place upon what you're hearing 
and you're going to receive results. See, it's all about results. We want results. We want results. Nobody here likes to do anything that will waste your time. Nobody here wants to just do something that doesn't bring results in your life. If you're working for something, if you're working on a relationship, if you're uh, you know, going to school, you're, you don't want to do that for no reason. Nobody wants to just waste time doing stuff. You want to do stuff that's going to reap results. And so when we give attention to God's word, you're looking for results. You're wanting that word to show up. You're wanting that word to take place in your life and, and to strengthen you and build you up. Not just, well, I read my Bible today. But a lot of us, that's the honor and that's the value that we place on it. Is I got that out of the way. When the value should be, I need to give attention. I need to continue in it. I need to stay in it. That's the attention factor. Because the measure that you put in will be the measure you get back. That's what the word says. That's what Jesus is saying. The amount of thought and study that you give will determine the knowledge that comes back. I mean, if you want more knowledge in an area, I remember my dad, uh, back when I was in high school, he went back and took some more courses that the Air Force paid for for him. And uh, he went back to college and took some more math courses. Because he wanted to be better in that. I don't know if he needed it for his job or what, but he wanted to do that. And so he had to put a greater measure of thought and study if he was going to get back greater results than where he was currently at. So he had to go to school, and he had to take night classes, and he had to do homework, and he had to do things online. And me and him were taking math at the same time, and it was really weird. <laughs> it's like, why are you in school? You're supposed to be done with this. And I'm, I'm in high school thinking, who in the world would want to go back <laughs> for more? I'm trying to get out of this thing, and you're trying to get back into it. You're weird. But he wanted to have a greater knowledge, a greater uh, measure of results in what he was studying. So what do you have to do? Put more into it. If you want to see more results of the word, it's not because the word is ineffective. It's not because the Bible isn't as powerful as you thought it was. It's because we just need to place more value on it. We just need to give more attention to it. That's what I call the attention factor. And it goes both ways. It goes both ways. If you give attention, more attention to what the world says, then you're going to be stronger in that area. This isn't just aligning with the word. Uh, for example, you get a doctor's report. And doctor's report says you have this going on in your body. Well, God's already got a report. He's already got a good and better report. Now we've got a conflict of interest. Now we have two reports that are contrary. And we can say we're standing in faith, but if we're always looking at the doctor's report and giving more thought and study to the doctor's report, you're going to be stronger there. Period. You'll be stronger in what the doctor said. See, this happened with the, with the Israelites. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. God has already given them the promised land. He, he gave it to Abraham. These guys don't even know who Abraham is except for he's one of our fathers. 
We're talking almost 500 years later. A group of people show up and they're at the promised land. The land that was promised to Abraham. Already given to them. They just have to go in and take it. Well, they send in 12 spies. And out of the 12, two came back with the report that God had already given. The other 10 came back and said, there's giants in the land. It's too great to overcome. These cities are too great. The walls are too big. There's no way we could do it. What happened? They gave attention. They, gave, they placed a greater value on what they saw than what God had already said. So you know what result they got? They didn't go in. You know what result Joshua and Caleb got? Because they came back with a good report. They got in. It's very clear. Where you give attention, where you are showing your value on God's word, that's where you'll see the results in your life. That's where his word will show up and produce. Because we want it to produce. Look over at uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Uh, in the uh, King James, I believe it says, pay attention. You ever wonder why they called it pay attention? Because it has to do with the value. Pay attention. See, you know, how many of you were told that a lot growing up? Maybe in school or by your parents. I was. Pay attention. Why? Because the amount of attention I give to my studies determines the result I'll get back. If I paid attention in history class, then I got the result of passing the test. But if I thought that's not worth, I don't assess the value of this class that where you do, then I'm not going to get the result because I didn't pay attention. I didn't give the attention I thought it was due. I thought it was more important to do this or do that. And so come test time, the results showed up and they weren't there. The results of not paying attention. But I could tell them all about whatever I was giving my attention to because when you neglect one thing, it's just because you're giving attention to another. That's what distraction's all about. And the world's full of distraction. That's why Jesus said that one of the soils that the word being sown lands on is those that they receive it with joy. I'll tell you right now, I've been in so many church services since I was a kid. And there were a lot that I received with joy. But then later on, I got distracted. I maybe walked away from. See, if you get, if you're here today and you're, you're hearing the report that God is your healer, God is your strength, you, and, and, and God, you have every victory that you need because he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then tomorrow, you get a report that you're being laid off. Or tomorrow, you get a report that, the doctor says, you have this issue going on. Well, you have a choice. Am I going to be that one where the word was sown but then got choked out by the distraction? Because that's a distraction. It is something that's trying to get you to neglect the word that was spoken here. 
And so you have a choice. Do I go back to the word of God and say, well, Father, you said that you're my source. You're my provider. I don't have to worry about my job. I don't have to worry about my income because as long as I'm serving you, you will take care of me. If I've lost this job, it's because you've already lined something else up for me and I believe. If, if the doctor says there's sickness, well, it doesn't have any place being there. And so you get in the word and you get in healing scriptures and you find where Jesus already took stripes on his back. So you don't have to live with that. And you don't have to deal with that. Or we can go home and say, man, I can't believe I lost my job. What am I going to do? And you get distracted. Anxiety sets in. Worry sets in. And that's because that's the result of that report. See, there's always seed being sown. You want to be the soil that rejects the bad seed and only takes in the good seed. And you want that good seed to produce results. It wasn't up to the seed. It was up to the soil. Further on down in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention or pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. That's what his word is. Over in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, uh, uh, God told Joshua, he said, you're going to take the promised land. You're going to succeed. Moses, you're coming after him. And you're going to take the people in. And what was his direction? He said, meditate on my word day and night. And he said, then your way will be prosperous. And then your way, then you will have full success. He tells you what to do. And then he gives you the result. But the result comes because Joshua stayed in his word because there were battles and there were enemies and there were things that were going to come up against Joshua that were going to be contrary to because he had just told Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Well, that sounds great, but when you have nations coming against you because they know you're God's people and if they don't stand up against you, they're going to get overrun, it's a little hard to do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. So God tells him, meditate on my word day and night. I'm telling you, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, don't come off of that. So there were times where Joshua would go to battle and he'd have to stay in that. I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to be dismayed. This isn't my battle, this is the Lord's battle, this is God's battle. He's taking care of this, he's got it covered. Or he could have gotten into, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to overcome these people? And what's God going to do? He's going to remind him, I told you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Meditate on my word day and night. Then your way will be prosperous. Then you will have all success. Very simple. But you have to stay in my word. If you get off of my word, then you're not going to be successful. Then you're not going to be prosperous. Then you're not going to have full success. See, God was promising what Joshua needed. You need to be prosperous. You need to be successful. And then he told him how to do it. But you have to give attention to that. 
And Joshua, he didn't run to men. He didn't run to other people. He went to God. Why? Because he honored him. He honored his word. He honored God's word and valued it above what everyone else was saying. He valued it above other people's reports. He valued it above what other people thought about him. There, the Bible is full of people that had the opportunity to be dishonored and were dishonored. Moses was dishonored. Moses dishonored himself. God's telling him, you're going to go in and deliver my people out of Egypt. And he's saying, well, I stutter. I don't talk right. I can't go back there because they want me for murder. He's, go he's going through the whole list. I'm shy. I'm not your man, God. And God said, that's your field you're talking about, but there's a treasure inside of you that you need to go deliver to Pharaoh, and you're going to bring my people out of Egypt. Jeremiah was another one. Jeremiah chapter 1. God shows up and says, you're going to be a prophet to the nation. Jeremiah, whoa, 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 whoa. You got the wrong man. And God says, I'm not talking about your field. I'm talking about your treasure because I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. That's why he goes on down in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good and not evil. Why? Because there's a treasure inside of you. Quit looking at the field. Quit dishonoring yourself because of what you see on the outside and start honoring what I honor. Because I've placed gifts, I've, I've placed talents, abilities within you, influence within you to do what I'm calling you to do. So don't, don't neglect yourself. Stay in my word. Meditate on the word. And then you'll, you'll be prosperous. Then you'll have full success. But you have to give attention to it. You've probably been in situations yourself where people have discounted you or maybe thought you weren't good enough or you couldn't do it or, or nobody thought you'd be able to own that business or run that line or, or uh, play that instrument or have the influence that you're doing. And you had to get past everybody else's dishonor because their value assessment didn't line up with God's and you don't override God's because of theirs. See, Jesus could have done that. He could have gone back home and said, well, man, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm not all that. I mean, I was just born in a barn. I mean, I wasn't even born in a house like everybody else. I was just, you know, I, I'm a king, but, you know, I'm not on a throne. I'm not, like, ruling over people. Maybe I am just a carpenter's son. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Thank God he didn't do that. Thank God he didn't allow everybody else's assessment of him change his. He said, no. My father has already placed a value on me. He's already placed the treasure inside of this field. And although this field may not be much on the outside, there's a treasure on the inside, and I'm going to redeem all mankind for the kingdom of God. That was Jesus' position. That's what we have to do. And you know, Jesus was able to do that because he stayed in God's word. How did he stay in God's word? It's constantly saying that he went alone to pray. He constantly got with him and God. He, he would say things like, the, the things that I do, I don't do on my own accord. The things that I say, I, I don't say what I want to say. 
I don't go where I want to go. He said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That should be your assessment of yourself. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because the Father placed in me something so valuable that I'm going to value it because that's how I honor my Father. I told y'all the first week we started this, you need to go to your job and, and you need to be confessing, I have a gift to bring to this place. Your job is blessed because you're there. Your home is blessed because you're there. Your husband or your wife is blessed because you're married to them. And vice versa. Your kids are blessed because you're their parent. Your parents are blessed because you're their children. You, are, you have a gift. Quit identifying with the field on the outside. Give attention to God's word. Place value on his word. Place value on what he says, and you'll place value on who he is. And you'll place value on what he's given you. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you that we can learn to honor ourselves, learn to honor each other, not based upon who they are or, or maybe even the things that they've done, the past that they have, but honoring people uh, based upon the gifts that are inside of them, Father, because you've placed gifts in everybody. Everyone has a treasure. Father, I thank you that we can learn uh, this morning to honor you by honoring your word. When we honor you, we honor your word. When we honor you, we honor uh, uh, everything that you've spoken to us and we meditate on it. We give attention to it. Father, if, if we haven't given enough attention uh, this morning, we change that. We say, we need, I need to give more attention to the word. I need to be in it more. I need to discover what God says about me. I need to discover who God says I am and what he's given me. And, you know, there's that gift and there's that talent. There's that thing that you placed inside of me and I haven't been using it for the kingdom or maybe even been using it at all, but I'm going to start using it. Father, that we'll be more open to realize the gifts the callings, the things that you have placed inside of us, the treasures, so we can do great things for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.